Looking to generate more revenue and build relationships with gamers worldwide? Let Exola be your guide. Exola, a global video game commerce company, has helped thousands of game developers and publishers of all sizes fund, market, launch, and monetize their games globally and across multiple platforms. To learn more, please visit xsolla.pro slash AOIAAS. Secure your digital world in physical form with IM8Bit. For over 15 years, IM8Bit has been crafting premium expansions of the industry's best games, from pioneering community experiences for Epic's Fortnite World Cup to bringing over 100 award-winning soundtracks from breakout hits like Untitled Goose Game and Disco Elysium to vinyl, and bringing the Ori sequel to Switch. Their passion for artistry and gaming fuels them, whether they're interpreting beloved brands from a new point of view or extending the mythology of another game, perhaps one you're developing. What's the IM8Bit difference? Their collectibles are premium, but for IM8Bit, they're personal too. See for yourself at im8bit.com. Hey everybody, I'm Ted Price from Insomniac Games. On today's episode of the Game Maker's Notebook, I chatted with Sam Lake, a creative director at Remedy Games. We talked a lot about Remedy's brand new game, Alan Wake 2, a sequel that's been hotly anticipated by fans of the survival horror series. But we also touched on many of Remedy's other groundbreaking games, like the Max Payne series, Quantum Break, and of course, Control. Not only did we talk about how Remedy builds on their core mechanics from franchise to franchise, we spent a significant amount of time talking about writing for games with a brief detour into the very unique world of Scandinavian horror. Please join us. Welcome to the Game Maker's Notebook, a podcast featuring a series of in-depth one-on-one conversations between game makers providing a thoughtful, intimate perspective on the business and craft of interactive entertainment. The Game Maker's Notebook is presented by the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences, a member-driven organization dedicated to the recognition and advancement of interactive entertainment. Sam, welcome to the show. Thank you. And Happy to be here. Well, and here is Iceland, right? We're here at Dice Europe, and you just got off stage uh, giving a big speech here. Yeah, uh, talk, talking about the long and winding 13 years journey uh, on, on creating the sequel for Alan Wake. Well, we're going to talk about that quite yeah. a bit, but I want to go back a little further to just you. And how did you get started in the industry? By accident. Really? Yep. Uh, so I, w- I was into computer games uh, growing up. I, I had a Commodore 64, which was my first gaming device. And I loved games. I loved role-playing games, especially Ultima series. And, hmm. and, and from that, really, I, I discovered the tabletop role-playing games. And, and, and growing up in Finland, uh more and more things that interested me started to be in the English language uh so was learning the language uh at the same time all the Dungeons and Dragons and advanced Dungeons and Dragons manuals were in English more and more superhero comic books I was reading were in English uh a, a relatively small amount of fantasy literature that I was really into after finding Lord of the Rings. Uh, 
had been translated to Finnish back then. And and then I stumbled into the biggest bookstore in, in Helsinki and discovered that there were what seemed to me like endless shelves of, of uh, English paperbacks of, of fantasy books. So I started reading uh, like early high school i started reading books in english a lot of struggle but but kind of slowly learning more and more of that and 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 with the role playing games we were playing i i i was the game master and and i started writing more and more because i like like from early on uh i i really had r- wanted to write but but then i kind of sh- shifted to writing it in english mm. Uh, and and uh, out of that, I went to the Helsinki University to study the language and literature, both. And and that's where I was when Remedy was founded. Uh, by one of like one of the founders was my childhood friend Petri Arvilehto, and and. Uh, uh, we were friends because of the role-playing games. Okay. And he knew that I wrote and, and had been writing, like, really kind of, like, around the fantasy worlds of, of what we were having in our games and, and, and writing that. And looking back, I was probably the only person within, you know, close by to Petri uh, whom he knew was writing in English and being serious about writing in English. So, so when when Remedy was making its first game, Death Rally, mm-hmm. uh, he came to me that we need some texts for the game, like you know, three rows of text in a shop and and these kinds of things. Would you come and write these? That's that's like because of that question, I'm here now. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, wow. And and I went in, I, I wrote the text, I found a couple of ways of, of of bringing additional story into the game that has nothing to do with story. But afterwards then, and, and this back then, early days of Remedy, it was really kind of this garage band set up in the, in the, in the founder's parents' house basement. And, and kids coming and going and and a lot of different ideas for different games and and I stayed on board like no salary or anything it was a hobby really in 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 some ways and 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 this idea of like we can do more with story and 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 then Max Payne as a concept was starting out and 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 I was bringing to the table saying that Nobody has really done a proper, deeper story in an action game. Mm-hmm. But we can certainly do that. It can be done. And, and, and then started working on, on the story and the character and the world of Max Payne. And the idea that, because I was reading a lot of comics, uh, and, and cinematics back then were really awfully crude, uh, that, that we could have a graphic novel inside the game and that could be how we tell the story 
and and here I am, 28 years later. Well, there's a lot that yeah. happened between then and yeah. now, right? I mean, yeah. you stopped at Max Payne, and we'll we'll talk maybe sure. a little bit more yes. about the other yeah. games. But I want to go back to that that those garage days, yeah. days in the in the basement. Uh, what what was the game industry like then? Was it in Finland? Was it was it literally just a whole bunch of garage developers, it, or had it matured to the point where going into the games industry wasn't insane? It was kind of insane. Okay, <laughs> I, I mean, I I don't think that I I would lie in saying that all the founders of of Remedy came from the demo scene. Hmm. So so having competitions and creating demos that that bring together some graphics and code and music, and and with really strict limits on how much memory th- can they use and and and. That scene was quite strong, yeah. by like in the '90s uh, in Finland, and 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 all the founders of the company had talked about it from the idea that hey, maybe we could do a computer game, uh, and 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 that's why how Remedy was born uh, out of that. Okay. I, w- I was the for for years and years, I was the only hu- hu- hum- humanist student, kind of coming in from languages and literature, and everybody else was kind of like a very different background um, uh, in- into this. It was kind of a loose band of people, mostly from the demo scene, yeah. and 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 Death Rally was ten plus people okay. creating it. But there were already kind of these other game demos being built, uh, and and you know your your classic thing of mattresses on under table of people like taking a nap during night for when when coding and getting oh, yeah. up and continuing and and slowly what was building to be remedy started to invade more rooms in that basement and then up the stairs into the kind of office room and 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 kind of like I, I i remember us invading that house uh bit by bit um but yeah like, like the Re- remedy is the second video game company in finland as as far as i know housemark was founded kind of two months before okay uh, very much from with with this kind of a same uh drive and 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 yeah, it was a big deal for Death Rally to get a deal with Apogee, so 3D Realms guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and afterwards, there were even more people excited and and creating their own ideas around games. And I remember uh, Scott Miller from 3D Realms flying over to Finland and and coming to Remedy and going through all of these demos. And 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 what would end up being Max Payne was one of them back then, and he went through and and he kind of singled that out and said that well, we would be interested in partnering with you guys on this, uh, that that we can fund you on the development until we find a proper publisher. Mm. Uh, as long as we make a 50-50 deal of ownership on this. So so that's then suddenly like Max Payne kind of became the, yeah. the next thing. And there, there were smaller things still being made and, and tried out, but but that 
then kind of like then more people got sucked into that and more people like you know the first Max Payne was 20 plus people so okay. back then teams were obviously much much smaller and well, well you made a big impact with Max Payne I remember vividly when bullet time was first revealed and I remember a lot of us at Insomniac were looking at it going wow that is that's uh, innovative big time yeah and that that to me was Petri and 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 we were kind of like uh, uh, a duo. I, I was looking at the character and the tone of the story and storytelling, uh, what the locations would be. He was looking at the cinematography. He was mm. looking at the style of it, and he was looking at the gameplay. Yeah. And 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 uh, Petri was and is a big fan of Hong Kong action theater yeah so John Wu uh films and and I remember that from very early on he had this idea of bullet time one way or the other it took us a long long time to figure out that mechanic as a resource yeah that you can kind of tap into and use there were all kinds of tries of certain areas in the world are in bullet time when you step in and it goes to bullet time and like like lot of iteration in in looking for what the exact mechanic is but but the idea really really came from him and and I just felt that it 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 kind of suited I I feel that there is a clear connection with the the kind of like melodramatic uh Hong Kong action films and film noir to begin with there are a lot of tonal similarities and 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 influences there so and and I love film noir. I love Humphrey Bogart films and 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 all of that and hardboiled literature. And I I really really wanted to bring in a character with that kind of like classic hardboiled detective type of a vibe uh, in into it. So it was a good match. Hmm. I I I always felt. Well, I think tonally tonally and story wise, it also stood out quite a bit. I mean, Max Payne is a very memorable character, and I love that I, I didn't. I knew you're a fan of of various genres, but it's great to hear that you're also a big fan of noir. So yeah, yeah. That, that all now connects a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of being fans of other genres, uh, you are on the verge of launching Max Payne 2. Uh, sorry, not Max Payne 2. Uh, <laughs> Alan Wake 2. Yep. I'm in Max Payne land right now. But and, and that's super exciting. I know you've been uh, showing off new uh, footage from it in your latest trailer. And by the time this is released, the game will be out. Yep. So in advance, congratulations. Uh, thank you. Thank you. 13 I, year journey. That's amazing. I, I would love to already be in that. Time. <laughs> uh, we, we, we are in the in the in the final struggle and chaos as it always is like box to fix still. And, and, yeah. and days are days are getting getting to be short and and uh the the game is right now insert and and we oh. have not gotten anything back yet like waiting uh, anxiously on on what do we get back i know that uh, feeling yeah like like it it somehow always ends up being uh that way even though always kind of i idealistically think that well there, there could be a better way of of like more more kind of manageable way of getting there it's but it's close and 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 yeah it's been it's been a very very long journey and i feel also a personal journey like alan the original alan wake was a very special project to me always and i 
we did want to create a sequel. I, I wanted to create the sequel and it ended up being more than 10 years before being able to kind of really, really get the, get the sequel uh, started. And, and it wasn't for the lack of trying in between every game project that we did yeah. that there was a new concept of Alan Wake 2. And, <laughs> and we, we went around all the publishers and, and tried to get it uh, made. But, okay. but just like, well, you know, it's, it, it's, it's not easy. And, no, and, and the, the timing is down to luck as well in some aspects. When, when is the time right? And, and when do you find the right partner who is open to this and, and looking for something like this? And, and now we are making it and, and almost, almost there. And uh, funny how life goes, like when, when, I, when I look back, at all of those earlier concepts, I'm I'm just really really happy that none of those Alan Wake tools got got made, <laughs> and this got made because there are a lot of learnings through the years through our games yeah. that 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 are an important part of this experience mm. and and could not have imagined or created this game uh, without uh, everything that came in between. Well, so since you mentioned that, I got to ask, what are a couple of the learnings that stand out to you in this journey that have helped shape what Alan, uh, Alan Wake 2 is? Yeah, like, like there, there are multiple. Uh, we, we used to do very linear experiences. Uh, Quantum Break was a very kind of a tight tube. Uh, and and in, with Control, we broke away from that and created a hub-like structure for, for the world. Uh, and, and a lot of learnings from that. And because of that, that's how Alan Wake 2 is structured. Mm -hmm. We have multiple hubs that you travel between, and then in a hub area, you are free to come and go as you choose. Obviously, the, the campaign story takes you through certain parts, you get to explore a lot more and we open up the world more as you progress. So that that really is all of those learnings that came from Control. How, how much of that, though, has also been influenced by what's going on in the industry of with course. games evolution? Yeah, and, and, and that was the reason that we definitely wanted to go there with Control. Okay. That, that this, is, this is clearly where, you know, we are, we are moving and, and this is clearly where we are getting experiences where the player has more freedom and and through the freedom paradoxically in a video game framework more agency and more investment sure uh so so that 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 was uh, a big part of figuring out control and 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 still still now writing writing on that other things i you know i love uh live action content in our experiences as yeah. as, as it makes your game stand out i mean I, I really appreciate it every time i see well do, doing a detour before going to that but but that to me is also something that that i feel from creative standpoint to be really really important is that is that how to stand out and and we we are still coming to this from indie perspective mm -hmm. and and if 
you know, you guys, the beautiful games that you make and 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 the massive, massive big games, uh, we simply don't have those re- resources. Sure. And 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 yet, in a way, kind of from player perspective we are kind of in the same league of of triple a games you are triple a games Uh, and that's where i think it's but 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 it's it 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 goes into the territory for me mentally when i'm thinking about creative ideas is that we just have to be really bold and original and unique and try to find like even if it means that we need to do some crazy things that that maybe a bigger company wouldn't do because like they can you guys can can keep on policing and 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 having so much kind of of that content that it feels like how to stand out mm-hmm. is to be original and 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 to me as a creative and and maybe the business side doesn't quite agree with this always but but i feel that it's better to evoke a strong emotion <laughs> one way or the other than 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 try to be just perfectly polished and 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 because we can't quite do that so so from that perspective to me it's like we'll just do crazy things um and 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 things that excite us and we are passionate about there will be a portion of the audience who will love it because they have never experienced anything like that there will be another portion of audience who will absolutely hate it but that's kind of fine yeah because there is plenty of gamers out there well, i yeah. i gotta imagine you'd rather have a game that as you said evokes a strong emotion or is polarizing or in, in particular, has a point of view, right? Yeah. And you're creatively, you have a point of view in inter- integrating live action with CG. Frankly, I think is awesome. And I also see it coming full circle because you probably remember back when we were all getting started, yeah. that was the thing. Nobody, yes. nobody could afford CG. So everybody was doing live yes. action and it created this really cool approach. And it, heck, it was a lot easier to do it. So I think in some ways you're setting a new standard because it's smart. Nobody likes to spend million. I don't think anybody likes to spend millions and millions on CG necessarily. Yeah. If you can have something that fits that is live action with and, your real actors and 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 that has been the struggle in figuring that out. And it's been it's been the goal through the years that that there were a lot of hard lessons learned with Quantum Break. And obviously, as a starting point, uh, a live action production model and video game production model are very different and, and not very compatible. Like, like video game tend to be a lot of iteration you know, and I, changing things. I forget about that. You are totally right. <laughs> uh, and, and, and live action tends yeah. to be, we have a plan, we yeah. have a script, we do a shoot plan, we shoot it, then we edit it, then it's done. Yeah. And, 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 and we were not fully in control, especially on the live action side when creating Quantum Break. Uh, and and that caused friction sure. and 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 but we learned a ton and and so in control we scaled that way back but wanted to keep it and 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 started to uh, experiment on stylization so mm-hmm. in control we did the hotline visions with with the previous director we shot them in live action with a certain kind of lighting then we layered that into the game world as as these kind of silhouettes. 
in a in a kind of almost like a vision. Yeah. Um, and 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 that felt very promising. And then we did like your more traditional in in world in on on screen, you know, the Doctor Darling educational videos inside the world and 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 all of that. But that to me just gave the confidence of because it was really really well received like like dr darling's character as an example is only present in these videos you never meet him he's a big mystery of having gone missing and you kind of like discover things about that but you never meet him in the game uh and yet like uh, matthew porreta was nominated as the best supporting role in the in the game awards out of this that was done in four days of shooting like in in the set for for uh, you know very late in the production just flying him in and 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 shooting and that gave me the confidence that there there really is something here that if we if we find the right stylizations and elements we can do a lot more yeah. and, and now in Alan Wake Two, we have more or less a full feature films worth of live action content inside there. Like we have your comical, quirky, uh, in-world commercials done for the small town TV mm-hmm. of, of the locals. And, and those characters, the Koskela brothers, are characters in the game, but they are also in these commercials and they have made them made them themselves so so they are clunky and 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 stupid in many ways but that's the point we have plenty of these visions that that like learnings on lighting and stylization from control we've gone way further saga uh, anderson our fbi agent and profiler uh sees these visions when she's profiling suspects and victims who appear kind of like this vision around her and and alan wake is seeing these visions of inspiration in the dark place that play out as kind of like in in the world as live action content but then because the dark place is this dream reality and 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 wanting to keep the player like off the lands and 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 kind of like finding their way through we have quite a bit of different live action sequences in there where you transition through an in-world screen. Mm. As an example, he comes to in the green room of a late-night talk show. Can't quite remember how he got there. There is an on-air sign, and there is a screen below that shows the talk show that is ongoing, and the host is introducing his next guest, Alan Wake. And and you are locked in that room, and you go (laughs) like, what? But there is an interact on the screen. And when you click on the screen, we do this weird vortex transition and you are sucked into that screen. And then suddenly we are in live action, full screen. Alan Wake is there. He is almost like he has just woken up and how did I got here? Confused. But then we we build the full late night talk show film set, like, like the studio set. And, and we shot many episodes of this talk show. Uh, Alan Wake always finding himself there. And, and, and we built his writer's room. We, we have a hotel 
in the in the dark place that is taking the shape of a New York kind of inspired by Chelsea Hotel mm. at its kind of like you know uh, golden age and and we build this kind of a whole suite uh, in the hotel where and and always the transition is kind of like you slip into these scenes and we have a similar dream, dream transition out of them and and I've, I've been feeling really excited about this. It feels to me like now we are really kind of like seamlessly, maybe a wrong word, but kind of seamlessly and with this purpose of stylization, finding how we can have on the critical path full scenes of, of live action um, content in there. Plus, for the first time ever, we... We had a full film film crew, hmm. like really experienced people in all the roles, and 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 spending time on the set like every day when we were shooting. I I kept on being just kind of amazed how well oiled machine uh, an experienced film crew is, you know, and 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 just going like every day we were ahead of the schedule, like okay. like and and I was like. We should get some of this to the <laughs> our our production, which of course is vastly more complex. But 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 still, yeah. Uh, this was that happening in L.A. or was that happening? No, in it, it it was in Helsinki. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the sets that you built were they were they at a soundstage or were they yeah. actually in your own? Okay. Yeah. Sound like we we rented uh, a studio. Uh, fully on this production, and there were multiple. There, there, there was the hotel, there was the talk show, there was the writers' room, uh, some other sets like a forest. We, we, we built uh, because there is also this kind of a full, very stylized art house horror short film lurking inside. The dark place okay. once the players get to it. Uh, so yeah, it's a good tease for yeah. for future players. Yes. Oh, uh, that's that's. Uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about tone, but before I do, sure. having been fully immersed in the live action side, and as you alluded to, understanding and and also being immersed in the development side, uh, are there lessons that we in development can take from another industry that has been around for even longer than we have? Uh, so that we can become more efficient or apply some of the learnings to this very complex process that we have for games. It is very complex. And 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 I I am really hoping uh, at, at, at Remedy that we can find a way to take learnings from that because it, it, it really was in some aspects like night and day. Hmm. Uh, I mean, obviously, what we were shooting was not huge or or complicated uh but but nonetheless the clarity of the roles the 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 clarity of how communication always flows on the set like like how how everything is kind of like really really clearly like like starting from the simplest thing of like and silence and go and cut like and everybody knows that this is happening. Of course, we don't have that on the game side in a in a similar role. But but that that's the that's the clarity and 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 how kind of strictly it is run. And everybody knows that. Okay, now I'm silent and I'm just focusing on watching this one thing that is my responsibility and 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 only kind of like you know. Uh, 
letting everybody know if something is wrong. If if something goes wrong here, then we stop and 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 then we then we fix it. It 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 does start from like what I really really wanted to achieve with with Alan Wake Two that definitely didn't happen with control was that I really wanted to have the critical screenplay before we kind of roll into production. Yeah. Uh, well, how for, difficult is that? I just want to, because as it, a writer, right, you and working with designers, you're the yes. creative director as well. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, brutal. like, and wearing in, in this game, this production more than ever before wearing multiple hats, uh, because I wanted to, okay. I, and 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 this has been such a long time coming, and feeling so personally invested this into this, I I just felt that no, I I I want to do all of this now. Okay. So so uh, I'm I have co-directed this with Kyle Rowley, who is our game director. Uh, I wrote the story with 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 Tyler Burton Smith, who was working with us on Quantum Break, and now is working on on. TV and film, mostly, and and then wrote the screenplay with with Clay Murphy, who is at Remedy a writer. So and and then I acted one of the side roles. That was great. And 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 not, not your first time. Acting, no, right? well, a lot of first times there as well. We can talk about, but 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 also like uh, was really involved in in the music, in the making of music more than ever before because it's been slowly building up and I really really wanted to do more uh, with that we can we can certainly talk about that as well uh, that that feels to me like a big victory that we have achieved uh, in this game uh, but but all of this happening in a production model that does isn't really built around one person because when it goes it goes and there are so many tracks going and 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 kind of like I feel that that we we tend to kind of like optimistically leap into the next phase of the project, even though maybe we should spend more time in the previous phase, meaning like pre-pro to pro production. Yep. As an example, it it tends to slip in, and suddenly there is a hundred people or more than hundred people just working on it, but all the plans are not clear or the screenplay is not quite there, and and. And and obviously there is the idea of video games being so iterative that that uh, we are discovering things also. Yeah. So it's hard to lock a screenplay when you don't quite know all the gameplay mechanics or or everything around it. But I, what I what I still really feel, which we didn't achieve, and and then it ended up like endlessly long hours of of directing and writing and 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 kind of trying to balance that tr while production is happening um but but i do feel that we can achieve a version where we just do the critical path of the story mm -hmm. in a way and get the screenplay really polished and 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 out of that some uh budgetary uh uh kind of like visibility and 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 do that iteration before we move to production like uh, no knocking on wood and hoping for the next project to finally achieve this <laughs> well let's let's talk about that just sure. briefly so if 
any of us are to achieve that, to lock the story before we go into production, what's one thing you think has to happen? Well, like I, I, I would say, and, and, and the reason why Alan Wake 2 is not a perfect sample for that, but I would say that working on a sequel is, would be a great way to start trying that. Uh, especially if it really is a sequel where we are building on the foundation of the previous game. And, and, and we have an understanding of the scope and mechanics. We, we have an understanding of just looking at the figures of the previous project that this is the amount of cinematics that we can actually do with this time frame and, 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 and all. And having enough of that understanding that, that kind of actually worked way back when with Max Payne 2, because like, like we were, it was a direct sequel and, and a lot of the elements that we had already built, you know, bullet time and, and how yeah. the game flows and graphic novel and all, uh, all of that was already locked in a way. So, so I feel that it's easier for a sequel uh, to have that understanding then just go and write it and 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 have it and and then bring in all the representatives of different departments have them go through it uh give their feedback iterate still not go iterate get it done and now go uh because what what ends up happening if it's not there and what ended up happening with our production now is that it kind of fragments everything it means that you don't have the full thing. You 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 have the pressure to start shooting material, sure. uh, cinematics. Then you do some, but you you can't kind of build a really kind of like a primary shoot of these months, and we are just shooting a lot of material. It becomes a week here, and then we'll wait, and a week here, and 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 kind of like, mm. uh, and especially if if that, uh, you know those estimates on schedules are, are, are not really accurate. It also makes it difficult, with, made it difficult for us now with COVID because arranging shoots was, was, was really hard to begin with, let alone when schedules sometimes slipped and, and you know, the planned shoot didn't happen and we need to reschedule everything and, and sort things out. It just leads into into kind of like lot of moving parts unnecessary moving parts and 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 noise with that and 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 sometimes wasted work as uh, as well so so my dream being that that would get that screenplay like in one of these projects really really kind of like as far as possible and 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 going forward uh then from that hopefully a primary shoot of like just shooting a ton of material at the right time and and which are all things that that are a given in live action productions you 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 won't really go forward with a project before the screenplay is there right. there are exceptions of course but horror stories but but usually screenplay planning storyboards everything then you know everything build and then you shoot for multiple months or tens of days and 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 then for sure pickups later right but 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 that's still more than the whole thing being fragmented through 
couple of years of, of shooting. I appreciate you talking in depth about that because I think it's something that any of us who work in story driven games struggle with. Yeah. It is in its attention constantly between, okay, story's locked. Well, maybe it's not because we right. need to change some of the gameplay and it's a house of cards. Yes. So, so I, I am going to get to tone because I really do want to talk <laughs> about that, but I do want to talk a little bit about modifying story in the middle of production and for you at remedy, how do you manage that? If you do need to make a change that is integrated with design or maybe adjust scope if things are spiraling out of control? Uh, uh, adjusting scope is the most common thing, I would say. Most unwelcome yes, of <laughs> thing. Course. Yeah. And, and, and um, it, it does tend to happen. Like, like it does like, you know, we, we need to cut a character. We need to cut a full location. We, 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 we need yeah. to cut a mission and, and being ambitious with the story does usually mean that, that you, you, you want to be ambitious, which means you are building a lot of connections through the story yeah. because that's what makes the story better, right? You know, foreshadowing things or somebody says, you know, slip something in and, and that whole line gets a whole new meaning later on in a very fundamental way, you know, the, telling a story in, in a good way. And, and then suddenly you are faced with a challenge of this whole section needs to go out. And, and, and what I usually just kind of caution everybody, because we've been in the trap of Quantum Break, Quantum Break especially ended up going into this loop of, yeah, we, we are overscoped, uh, we need to cut content, it's a time travel story, <laughs> hugely complicated to begin with. Sure. And, and we need to cut content. Okay, we can cut content, but batching it all back up, you know, is serious story work. And it will take time. Like very easily, like my feeling is if you cut a bigger chunk and you are very focused on storytelling, easily it will be two months before we are back where we began and and it easily is two months of lost time then and 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 very easily you fall into a trap where we are behind we are over scope we need to cut the content okay we can cut the content but then we need to work to kind of like make make sure that there are no plot holes and everything works just being ambitious with the story you spent that two months working on it, you fix it. There are at least some people in critical departments waiting, yeah. uh, on some level waiting. And then you are back on and, oh no, we have lost two months. We, we are just as much behind and over scope now. We need to cut content. And, 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 and this going in some of these long projects going like, four rounds of this yeah. it, it it can be really really brutal yeah. <laughs> on 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 the story team to to be to be working on this uh luckily we i mean there there were some uh scope down like a couple of missions that that we had to cut from early designs in Alan Wake 2 uh and and 
And also what easily happens is that if you have a complicated story with multiple plot threads going on, yes, you can cut the location and, and, and you can cut the gameplay mission, but you can't cut all of that story. So what you end up doing is that you need to kind of find suitable places in the remaining story to kind of cram that in. Mm. <laughs> and, and, and you didn't really cut. Let's, let's talk about, I mean, for viewers who may not be in development, when you yeah. say cram it in, we're talking about maybe additional cutscenes that somehow had to be fit into another mission or level, yeah. which doesn't, where it doesn't. Kind yeah. Of feel right. Or, or like, obviously we, luckily we have different levels of storytelling methods. Okay. And, 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 this is one example why I absolutely love voice of a narration in a mm. video game. Mm -hmm. And and obviously it's your old it's frowned upon in 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 kind of in films or or TV. You know that the usual thing is show don't tell and obviously like the ambitious way in video games is like don't tell don't show you play know, it. Yeah. play. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but but from Max Payne on, I I fully believed that like like early on, I it always annoyed me endlessly when 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 you had your video game character suddenly start talking aloud, like like <laughs> like slightly a crazy person sure, going sure. like, hmm. I don't have a key for this door. Mm. And 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 that annoyed me and I I I was really really wanting to avoid that and in Max Payne then doing a hard-boiled character and hard-boiled setting the obvious thing to go to and there were film examples of of you know this kind of a hard-boiled monologue and yeah. and and film noir device often is that that you kind of have some sort of a framing story that 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 you know somebody is giving a confession and and they we we go back and we see that happen and there is a narration of the you know person yeah. who is kind of being recorded uh, so so and many of the hardboard novels are in first person with this kind of metaphor laden dialogue so so that to me felt like this is a perfect tool to achieve the kind of like player guidance yep. where we need it but at the same time get you inside the the head of the main character and and bring in a store a strong feeling yeah. into the experience so in alan wake then i kind of wanted to reinvent that and a, a manuscript of a novel is coming true and alan wake is the writer of that novel and his narration from the beginning takes you and you start finding these pages and and he's the narrator or reader of those pages and then you kind of realize or maybe don't realize that the whole game you played was actually that manuscript of the novel uh experienced and and him as the storyteller like explaining what is written on the page uh and that felt like well this is the same thing but a completely different thing yeah in quarter break we kind of struggled a bit but it it's that interview he is being debriefed Jack uh, on on what went on and and his testimony is being recorded. So we have both the interviewer and 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 him kind of answering it on the level of 
voiceover narration. And, and in control, Jesse Faden has this mysterious alien guardian angel in her head or in her imagination, and, and she is just used to talking to Polaris uh, in her head, in her thoughts. So that's the narration there. And now we are obviously coming back to Alan Wake. So we have him as the storyteller, but we have another character as well, Saga Anderson, who has who is using Mind Palace technique, you know, the analyze things. So we are hearing her thoughts as she's, you know, shifting through the clues and wondering about things, which kind of feels part of the investigator uh, side of it. This was a long detour in coming back to... This, to me, is the cheapest method yeah. of storytelling in a video game to explain things, give color to things, show what the character is thinking, but also guiding the player. So, and, and it's vital to me that we have this kind of a cheap version of storytelling when all the more expensive versions can't be applied because we are too late or we are over scope or we need to take some story elements that were cut out but we still need to inform the player out of this so we have these different layers we have the narration uh, then we have obviously out loud dialogue with npcs starting to be with the today's fidelity having two an npc and the player character it starts to be pretty expensive mm -hmm. ma making it believable yeah Maybe not a polished, huge cinematic cutscene, but kind of starting to kind of like slip sure. into that. Uh, then the live action content, like in, in various ways, you know, radios and, and well, okay, VO narration and maybe having a radio mm. in your ear is the other cheapest method. So, so like... When, when content is cut, needing to find ways, and usually it's now can't really add to the cinematics. Probably we are out of scope with the cinematics as well. <laughs> so so uh, it can be, you know, then radio, then it can be VO narration, then it can be just documents found in the world. That yeah. That's relatively cheap as well, finding a letter and reading it. Uh, so, so different, they all have their own price tag. And and that is something that you need to be you need to be aware of the pacing so that you have all kinds of different elements nicely interwoven into the experience to keep it interesting and 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 not too samey but but at the same time really really need to be mindful of what things cost. Well, uh, thank you for that <laughs> explanation. Well, I also like that you're using this uh, narrator convention as part of your brand. Right. I mean, yeah. it appears in your games consistently and it is something that maybe very subtly sets you apart from from other games because you don't hear I, I don't hear that a lot in games. And yeah, no. It, and, and it is a set like like it's it, it's kind of like going against the best practices in, in some way. But exactly. But when done well, sure. right, it really sets you apart. And, and that's one of the many things I think that sets your games apart. And I, when I look at the remedy games and everything that you all have done since Max Payne, Yet there's a very specific feel to the games, and usually that comes through in tone. <laughs> and in particular, especially with Alan Wake 2 and everything I've seen about it so far, you've gone fairly dark sometimes. Yeah. And I read an interview where uh, a couple movies were mentioned, Hereditary and Midsommar, yeah. uh, which are 
dark movies. And I saw Midsommar for the first time last year and it left me disturbed. And I, I mean, it's a great movie. Yeah. Everybody yeah. should go watch it who likes yeah. horror movies. But because of its sort of Scandinavian trappings, it made me start to think about <laughs> Finland, dark stories and games. And is there something about Finland and, and mythology and dark mythology that has influenced you and the team to, to take this uh, more consistently darker tone with your games? It's, Especially recently, I know it, it. It is a great question, uh, and 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 uh, tonal elements to me are really really important. To tonal elements and stylizations and atmosphere building, and 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 sometimes I, I I do feel that we also go against the grain there in the sense that uh, mixing them up. Mm. quite crazily like the humor yes in your exactly and, yeah. yes and, the and 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 that is part of it i i don't know it's it's an interesting question like, like i always felt that that growing up in finland and 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 still being from very young age a big big fan of american popular culture because that was what we were getting in television and comic books and all. And, and, and that being a very kind of open uh, source of inspiration for our game stories as well. But somehow it always felt to me that, that there, is, there is uniqueness and there is an interesting uh, thing in the sense that we are still quite far outside kind of getting this pop culture uh using it as an inspiration and doing our thing and 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 even if you know go going back to max Payne and starting from there how obvious nods there are to kind of mobster films and film noir and and all of that i i still believe that because it's filtered through my outside view of these things it kind of like slightly maybe yeah. kind of it's it's slightly out of joint in in hopefully an interesting way right uh that that gives it its own vibe that that's one side of it i i i have from very young age been gravitating towards scary things as exciting things okay uh like 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 starting as a very young boy my my father did read me as bedtime stories all the tarzan books hmm. and and then looking back i felt that i was maybe slightly too young for that because it was scary i was totally fascinated about it i can still in my mind have a vivid image of of dark jungle and great apes kind of shadowy hulking figures in there uh, and 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 this kind of like as as an early example but it has kind of like kept on going uh with me that i always feel that when things are slightly too scary or slightly too difficult where i'm going like i'm 
I'm not quite understanding this. That this is what led me to postmodern writing and and how I was really fascinated with uh, about it. Is like I'm not getting all of these references quite, mm. or what's really being said here, and that is exciting to me. That interests me a lot. Yeah. And 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 and. But but horror being one consistent thing, and and now that you say a, say it, like I do think that in the kind of like, you know, the mythology of of Finland or Nordic countries, all in all, like going to Vikings and all, uh, yeah, there there is scary stuff in there that that ha- has been like fascinating to me all through these years, like, like I discovered the Viking uh, uh, mythos uh, through Lord of the Rings. I was a huge fan. I was reading the background, how, how Tolkien had drawn from mm. uh, uh, Nordic uh, lore. And then I went on to read the Edda poems, like, like the vo- actual Viking, uh, you know, okay. the, the, and, and, and was fascinated. And, and like, like in school for a few years, just, kept on doing presentations on the viking gods and <laughs> and 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 that that has been this one thing that that i i've like even all gods of asgard obviously being a big thing in in alan wake the crazy nordic heavy metal band like drawing from uh nordic lore but but more and more growing older the finnish mythology like you know my own culture has has kind of like crept in mm. in more clear obvious way in Alan Wake too way more than ever before uh with with all kinds of ideas related to the supernatural related to you know just kind of the history of the area like Astoria as an example in the Pacific Northwest had a big Finnish immigrant community uh with with logging industry and fishing industry and and we kind of took that idea and created the neighboring town to Pride Falls called Watery, founded by Finnish immigrants. So we have a lot of Finnish names and Finnish folklore kind of like, you mm. know, un- underneath there. And and some of the horror elements are drawn from Finnish mythology. Maybe, maybe it's growing older. Maybe it's kind of like starting to be more aware of, of your heritage and background and, and feeling nostalgic. And and also like true that I I feel Arti in control, the janitor character, the crazy Finn, uh really was this kind of a thing for me. I, I wanted to put him in and, and created him and 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 then Marti Suosala, wonderful, wonderful Finnish actor who portrayed him, uh won the BAFTA for the supporting role. And 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 you know, a lot of fans love Ahti and just kind of realizing that we have this exotic thing that, that you know, is very kind of original uh, for majority of the people on this globe. Uh, and, and, and why not just use it also as a, as a, as a strength and draw from it uh, more? Yeah, like I also I, I, I think that just the kind of nature, like I... The schizophrenic nature of, of you know, being uh, up there in the north, like the idea that summer, the sun hardly sets at all, you know, midsummer being a prime example of yeah. that there is something crazy 
about that setup. Yeah. Uh, and 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 then the contrast of winter sun hardly rises at all, and it's it's barren and it's cold, and and that in itself is scary, kind of on very kind of primitive yeah. uh, level. So yeah. Well, that I love that. Thank you for drawing those uh, those comparisons. It makes a lot more sense now. I'm sure for light, too. light and darkness in Alan Wake being this kind of whole duality between these that, things. That and also that it's not that light is good and dark yeah, is bad. No, they both have their no. their extremes, right? And you're sharing that from a unique perspective. For those of us who live in places where it isn't dark all winter or sunny all summer, it does seem a little bit crazy a little bit <laughs> yeah like how it can inspire schizophrenia and i can see that in the games you do and looking forward to seeing that in alan wake too yep so uh just i want to talk just a little bit about writing and design yeah and, and getting back to to what you do and as a creative director and as the writer what are a, just a couple things that you do to ensure that the writing reflects the design and the design reflects the writing yeah i i we my experience and and of course my experience is limited from the perspective that i've always been at remedy i haven't really intimately seen the processes in other uh, dev studios but but my understanding is that we do lean on the story quite heavily early on and maybe some other studios don't do that in a similar way that being said, it goes hand in hand. We do start prototyping the gameplay at the same time. And, and they inform each other a okay. lot. And I, I, I always feel that it's really, react, uh, really important to be reactive on the writing side. And, and, and really it is, we are in it together and, and like finding ways to kind of lift and support the other areas with what you do because ultimately that makes the game better right. at the end so so trying to find these solutions of course it's the thing that that you know your solution my solution tends to lean on the story somebody else's solution on the area that they work on they try to kind of like fix it with with their expertise but to me like a lot of iteration goes into these stories. It's 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 important to try to keep in mind what are the really important bits. What what is the heart and soul of it, hmm. so that that's not lost. Because sometimes if if early on we don't know what we are making and start making it, it might radically shift to new things, and then you can kind of, you know go with it and and end up losing like wait a minute this was the important thing but now it's completely gone yeah you know especially in earlier years uh, but to me also like what i always say to my writing team is that that how we should look at it is that if something changes outside of our work that requires us to change things that that we should always look at it as an opportunity. Mm. Always look at it as it's not perfect what we have. Now we are required to change something. Let's see it as an opportunity to make what we have better. And, and, and like I feel, at least mentally to me, 
that motivates that change a lot more and also actually in many cases leads to ultimately something better and 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 trying to find ways to support the rest of the game so that it it really is needed together it's challenging often sure. like in Alan Wake 2 we have more mechanics related to story like the investigation and and Saga Anderson's case board and profiling and Alan Wake's plot board because you as the player this time around get to shape the story he's oh, really? actually building and and because the dark place is this kind of a dream reality when you do the world changes because now the narrative goes differently so so trying to which which has been really really challenging I was be, about to be, say be, that sounds brutally hard so, be, because yeah. now you have really really capable narrative designers thinking about these mechanics yeah. and you have the writers uh, writing team figuring out the story and you are more intimately connected so if something is changed or we need this so that this mechanic can actually work okay that's actually really really hard on the story side because that kind of breaks and and then iteration and finding those solutions a lot of hard work well i like how you how you're suggesting that when another team changes something your team whatever team you're talking to should look at it as an opportunity yes versus saying oh i can't believe they changed that that's going to screw us over right which is generally a human response it, it is right? and and it always happens but yeah. I, I i feel that kind of being but it it inevitably happens with video games especially yeah. well, like things are that, changing all the time yeah right? that there is no way out of it yeah. so so trying to see the positive of mm. this change and using it to kind of like make your part of it more integrated and better uh, is really the only sane. <laughs> That's right. That keeps you, it all keeps people friends, right? Yes, we all, sure. We all end yes. up being able to work together better if yeah. we can most of the time adopt that approach. I, I think it's a great advice. I, I, I also very, very strongly feel that because this is tied to limitations. And, and there can be so many reasons why something that you love in the story doesn't end up working. We can't do it technically. Our tools don't support this. Like, you know, so many reasons that, that might pop up surprisingly because things evolve and tools evolve and, you know, everything keeps on evolving. Limitations are wonderful. Like, even if they do frustrate you when you, when, when they are presented to sure. you, this doesn't work, you know, you can't do this. But ultimately, I, I, I feel that almost always uh, when faced with that and getting over the disappointment, uh, it leads to something very creative. Because then you are forced to solve a problem with limited tools. And, and, and if anything forces you to be creative, it's, it's that kind of a setup. Because if you have no limitations... People tend to be lazy, like, you know, oh, everything works and you don't even need to really go in and think it really carefully true. You just put it in there and, and, and first idea, you know, is okay and then you move on. But when forced to come back and change something, usually you need to think hard and, and, and often what comes out of it is something great and original because without this problem 
you would never have thought about it and and come up with this solution. I agree. It's that, that pressure turning coal into diamonds, yeah, right? right? So yes, that's what exactly. ends up happening. Yes. Yeah, and it's I again for anybody who doesn't work in the industry, that's what we are all working under constraints constantly, no matter how big or small we are. Yes. And yes. and it's when for sure. I see that every day when we are faced with that like you said that willingness to uh to just instead of pushing back and going ah <laughs> except that there are some constraints and and then after you've gotten over that uh sort of grieving phase and you get into acceptance and then you move forward yes and then you, yeah and then it's great it can be great right it can doesn't be. always yes. it doesn't always it can, can be great and can be can be definitely in the best positive way something you would never have thought of yeah without this obstacle i you know it's funny i we at insomniac we talk a lot about the probably one of the biggest constraints we ever faced and that was when we had to go remote when the pandemic hit and i would tell say a, a week before the pandemic before we were we actually had to move out we were looking at each other and going we'd never go remote we never they can't do this it's impossible yep, yep, <laughs> and yeah yeah right no choice and then ultimately we changed so many of our processes things got a lot smoother in many areas because we were forced to we were we're actually yeah. in that situation where there was no other you just had to do it like so you're saying i mean it sharpens everybody when you sure. are yes like within you had to work within limitations yeah yeah well anyway sorry not to go off on that tangent <laughs> but i want to i want to just ask you just a, a couple more questions and actually sure. one in particular with you having such a long career as a writer and a creative director what is your advice to those who might be considering a writing career in the industry? Would you say stay away from it, don't ever huh. try it, or <laughs> you've, you've been through it? So yeah, and I, I, let me give you some context. And when I talk to people who are interested in getting to, into the industry, usually they're students. I've heard more and more regularly that people want to get in and write for games, and I hadn't I hadn't heard that very often five years ago or, or ten years, maybe a decade ago. But now it just seems to be more and more frequent. What's your advice? Yeah, I, I, I've seen that same thing, and it makes me really, really happy. I, I, I like nothing makes me more grateful and 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 flattered when when some of the fans of our games, you know, these things that I've gotten is is somebody goes like uh i never used to read anything uh then i played your game and it felt you know so clearly written that now i'm reading books really <laughs> or, or huh. things like because of your games i'm i'm now starting out as a writer like i either either books or in the industry i like you know what what more what kind of a thank you would be like more fulfilling out of all of that work than than a comment like that that's great yeah so 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 for sure being able to inspire people like uh, that to me is like i'll i'll get to the point in a second uh like to me it always is like what more can a creative hope for than than like being inspired by wonderful wonderful works of art of, of all kinds using that inspiration in your own creation 
and then maybe that serves as inspiration for somebody else to create something new. Uh, that that always is like like what what more can you hope? Sure, you know, creating, uh, writing. I I feel that I was also lucky, just to say it kind of out loud that that when like you know coming in when i came in and 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 being given this kind of almost like a free reign of i want to tell a story and everybody at remedy back then going like oh sure and 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 i was left to my kind of like devices and and being able to create it and and like like uh editors or anything like that came way later <laughs> then and 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 obviously what 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 you do here is that these days it might be harder to break you know into the industry i i still think that indie games smaller games is a wonderful wonderful way and 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 mods still as well mm. like like there there are ways where you can have a couple of friends and and who who have a similar ambition and you can on your own create a game or a mod for a game and 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 have content there are quite a few people at remedy who have broken into the industry that way like created something that has kind of like that's interesting that's cool and 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 actually us reaching out to the person of like would you be interested in in coming to work with us uh Obviously, these days you can go to school. You can actually go right. to school, yeah. <laughs> which was not a thing back then. Well, I I did end up like after the first Max Payne game, I did go to Theater Academy of Finland and and for a couple of years studied screenwriting for oh. film and TV. Okay, and 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 to me, even though we always say that well, writing for games is different, there there is enough overlap. Uh, that that for sure it's beneficial to to like go to a school for screenwriting and 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 learn writing there and then wanting to do uh, work work on games and and writing that that definitely is one avenue. Okay. Like what what you need to do is you need to know games like even as a player because obviously like you know people coming in and wanting to write for games and be having experience in writing but almost like from the beginning saying that i have never played games and i'm not really into games but i want to come to work on games that there there is this weird like blind spot of like well that that's not gonna work i like somehow you need to understand the 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 fundamentals but but those really to me kind of like you know if if you want to write do write yeah. and 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 kind of like experience things where writing exists like be the game uh be the film be the book be the graphic novel that you are familiar and and keep on like seeing written stuff and analyzing it and and kind of like how are they doing it here and 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 thinking about it while writing mm. like like that 
it, it, it's so obvious, but but it needs to be said because, like you know, young people often have dreams, uh, and 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 dreams are fun to have, but you, you do need to work to make it happen, uh, and 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 then for sure, like like you know, there being schools now going to an actual school about you know narrative design or or writing for games like happily those now exist as well that's right it's yeah. helping us as an industry yes, significantly very much and so. we're getting yeah. more and more talented folks coming right out of school yeah well that's wonderful advice and uh, i i look forward to many writers also or, or prospective writers listening and and hopefully becoming uh, the next Sam Lake. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, please replace me. It's about time. Uh, I, 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 I am really, really happy where where storytelling in video games is and and yeah. how much it has uh, evolved uh, through these like almost thirty years. Uh, so so yeah, I mean games on that front are, are doing great i, I agree feel. i agree i love seeing people like like you and and remedy pushing story forward in games i think that does a lot for our industry so thank you and congratulations in advance and, <laughs> thank and you by the time this comes out i should say congratulations on what i know will be a huge success for you guys thank you thank you it, it was great talking with you yeah same here Thank you for joining us for the Game Maker's Notebook. For more information on the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences, our podcasts, and our other initiatives, please visit www.interactive.org.